0: This podcast is sponsored by CDO Group, the industry leader providing a full range of construction and project management services. CDO Group has managed thousands of projects in all 50 states. Their group of experts provide systems, processes, and procedures to make sure that your projects turn over on time and on budget every single time. With over 24 years of experience, CDO Group is the industry's leader in construction management and general contracting services. To find them, go to CDOGroup.com. Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montatecchi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. If you like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Hi, and welcome to the Future Development Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Monoteghi, and today I am joined by the one and only, the architectural genius, Dave Alpert. Today, he's going to show off his brand new product that's really dynamic. It really helps paint the picture between the architectural design and the customer, really bringing them into a 3D augmented reality of the project and overlaying it on the job site and really being able to see what the project's going to look like in a completed format. This product is legendary. When the first time I saw it, I got giddy inside. Help me welcome Dave Alpert to the show. Dave, welcome to the show. I'm excited. You know, our pre our pre show conversations were really joyous. I uh, we went down lots of different cool paths, and today I'm really excited for our audience to get to know you and uh, your path uh, with Magic Leap and how you got here. It, it's a neat story. You know, thanks thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you, thank you. I really enjoyed talking with you.
0: That's awesome. So, so as you got into uh, you know finding out uh, about uh, augmented reality right, really getting to here. I thought it was kind of fun when we talked a little bit about the difference between uh, virtual reality versus augmented reality. You wanna kind of walk through that a little bit for the audience?
1: Okay, well, um, most people are familiar with virtual reality and sometimes just a little bit of confusion about the difference between virtual reality and augmented reality. So virtual reality basically is you are isolated from your immediate surroundings, and you are immersed someplace else. It could be a beach somewhere. And the reason why you need to be completely immersed and and isolated is because there's no beach in front of you. Augmented reality incorporates everything that you're seeing. You're still seeing through the lens of the headset or the glasses, but you are also seeing another layer of digital information, which relates to what you're seeing in the background. Now that could be textual information for training purposes or something like that. But for us in the design and construction industry, because I am an architect, the benefit of augmented reality is that you're seeing the existing context for the design, whether it's an empty lot or whether it's an interior space. It gives you all the information you need on what's there already without having to replicate any of it. In VR, you would have to replicate all of that more or less accurately which creates problems because you need to have an accurate understanding of the existing conditions
0: you know it's really funny when uh when we talk to clients and we talk about here's what we're going to do and we show them a set of plans you know how many times have I sat down with a client and, and, and they look at a set of plans and like yeah I get it 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 and then we're about 80 percent done with a project and they walk through and they're like yeah that doesn't work and this doesn't work and I need to move this over there and you know the the just the tireless work that our teams go through, Uh, Because, you know, at at the table, looking at a 2D set of drawings, uh, they Mm -hmm. had one vision of it. When we got to the physical world and we got to a point where they could really see it, you know, drywall was up, we started to put some finishes on, all of a sudden they start to notice, well, where am I going to put my vacuum cleaner? How am I going to open that drawer? And the the little nuances of a project that, uh, you know, they're going to have to operate it for the next 20 years. Now they're going, hey, before you're finished, I might want you to make these changes What's the cost and impact to that on our whole building environment?
1: Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, Well, you may know that McKinsey, the consulting company recently did a study about the construction industry because there was growing concern that the construction industry was becoming less efficient over time, whereas all the other industries were increasing in efficiency. So like, why was this? What was happening? And one of the things they determined was that 9% of construction is rework. That means something has been torn down before the project can be delivered. And that's a huge waste and has huge impact on society as well as construction costs. So it's really important for people to to be able to understand what's being built before it's built. And there is a communication gap there. You mentioned the drawings, everybody does absolutely their best. As an architect, I really, really asked my clients a million questions and tried to do the best for them. And still, sometimes the client doesn't know how to articulate what they need. Sometimes it's too difficult to draw it out of them. But when they see something in three dimensions built, they know whether it's right or wrong for them. So what happens to those problems? And let's go back to the 9% rework. Most problems don't get corrected because it's too expensive to change them. There's always a, a, a cost benefit analysis. Okay, this isn't working, but you know maybe I'll just live with it. And so the 9% is really just the tip of the iceberg. And the fact is so much of what is built and delivered is not really satisfactory an operational and a quality sample.
0: That, that, that's right. You know, the, uh, th- think about that, that 9% of all the work that we do is rework, mm-hmm. right? When you, when you think about that, you know, uh, I, you know, being an industry, you know, I've often laughed that, uh, uh, you know, when we were building Boston Markets, you know, 30 years ago, I, I I said, we built that with Boston Markets in the Coliseum in a very similar yeah. way, right? We, we took very heavy things. We dragged them over to a spot. We banged on them a little bit and we said, look, here you go. And you know the the process, the thinking, the logic wasn't much different. you know my, my, my bet is that uh, you know we we've, you know, we've had very intelligent people doing it because just the process alone uh, in our business isn't very effective right we, We've set the system up for a little bit of failure from the from the very beginning. you know the way that we the way that we work on a project, the way we look at a project in its it, the development, there is some inherent problems you know the and I believe really to start from, you know, when we talk about, you know, our, our architectural agreement, right? Or, or understanding the client, we don't yeah. spend the amount of time or the, the effort and, off, and oftentimes it's budgetary constraints, right? We, we, we go off on a, on a practice that says, figure this out. Well, you're an architect, you can figure it out. And really takes a lot, a lot of communication, you know, uh, uh spend the time to develop those set of plans that you're going to need to operate for the next 20 years. So if it takes you another couple of weeks to get a set of drawings done, or it takes you a, you know, a little bit more money to get that done, spend the money there because that, that impact dramatically changes the whole upstream, uh, process and, and the way that we, uh-huh. the way that we, uh, design the project, the way that we uh, bid the project out, the way that we, uh, order the parts and pieces, the way that we manage the construction project, the way that we then final, finalize the construction and the way that we then operate. All of that echoing that happens because we didn't start with with a great fundamental. So I, th- right. I think that's, that's you know, it's been inherent to our business. And no matter how much we bang on that drum and saying, hey, look, you're going to have to pay your architect or your design professional some money here. You know, the problem is a lot of times those deals aren't fully baked yet. We've got, devel- you know, the development world came about. It was different when me as an owner took a piece of property and I was designing it for myself. Well, all of a sudden developers came into the world and said, well, I'm going to design this as a spec project and we'll rent it out while we're building it. So it's all on the, on the come. They, they, don't, they, don't have the, they don't know the infrastructure yet or the value of the deal yet. They're still figuring it out as they fly, which ultimately, hey, they're making, it, they're making a development deal happen. But in right. that inherency, that, that's got uh, uh, some intuitive problems uh, to it.
1: It sounds like a startup. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, right. I mean, if you, being a, you know, you're in the middle of that startup, how, yeah. how many decisions are you making because of economics rather than, uh, and, and some of that probably is healthy for an environment, right? Keeping, uh, keeping you fit and, and strong and, and, and that kind of stuff. But ultimately how many things are you deciding as you're, as you're working, uh, with Magic Leap to, to really, you know, that you wouldn't do if it wasn't because of the economics of it.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, I would like to believe that we have not taken any shortcuts so far as economics. Um, we're taking very long view. We've been working on this product for four years and it has a lot in it, a lot more in it than we usually tell people because it confuses people. Oh, it can do that and could do that also. So um, we generally limit our message to the core functionality, which is to convert building information models into full scale virtual models on site that you can walk around and walk through and fully understand the design without the abstraction of drawings.
0: So, so, let, me so let me just explain that just a little bit more. So your, your, your software takes the BIM model and yes. it takes it and actually overlays it. So you're looking through a set of glasses and in that set of glasses, you're, you're looking at the BIM model layered on top of the building. So you can, you can touch all the walls, floors, and everything with your hand and you're seeing that. But at the same time, you're seeing the drawing and you're, 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 you're seeing the design uh, there and, and uh, not, not on paper, but you're actually seeing a
1: 3d model of it live. Exactly. Exactly. And most people we demonstrate this to have never imagined this before and they've certainly never experienced it before. And that's an awesome experience that we have each time, that um, experience of discovery and delight that people have with it. And that's important also in terms of the commitment and the buy-in from our customers to get them really, really excited. As opposed to like kind of wary and apprehensive, I kind of get it. I kind of don't, and this is costing a lot of money, and I'm not sure how it's going to work out.
0: Well, I, I think that that's one of the problems is that our customers don't want to sound foolish or, or not not educated, and they they're kind of like uh huh uh huh uh huh. Here, by the way, our our employees do. that. I walk out and ask them to do something, and they're like uh huh uh huh, uh-huh. and then right. they walk out and they're like I didn't understand. Instead of saying I don't understand it, because they don't want to sound foolish and uh, or or stupid, they don't want to sound that way, so they so they go off. And they're not so. This takes that out. It really really helps them to be able to see something uh, and and take that interpretation out. Because you know, you and I, you know, oftentimes when I when I talk to a a young uh, construction professional, I forget that I've been doing this my entire career. I'm at you know, you know, it's it's like a baseball player seeing seeing a, a fast pitch come by. You know, no. you know, first time I saw, you know, we ever go to batting cages and you, and you crank that thing up to high, <laughs> that thing comes by, but, but to a pro, they can see the ball spinning. They can see the, they can see the, they can literally see it rolling down the, uh, through the air, yeah. at them. uh, much different as, you know, as we do this in, in our work, we've been doing this for, you know, you, you've been doing this for a long time and you've got yeah. some great experience. So it, it helps. It bridge that gap.
1: I, I can't um, remember what the saying is about you have to spend 20,000 hours to be an expert or something like that. What is it? I don't know what it
0: is. <laughs> 10,000 ten, ten, ten hour, ten no, hours.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I spent 200,000 hours oh. doing this. <laughs> right, right, right. It's, it's, so, I mean, architects work long hours, and I've worked a lot of years. So that's what's brought me to this point is all that experience and the inspiration that it could be better. I loved it when you were talking about process a moment ago. Um, I think there's something about architecture, which understandably focuses very much on the product that you're delivering because you are delivering a custom product like that. But the process is so important in order to deliver the right product. So I'm, I think that uh, there's that story about the Barnsworth house, And Mies van der Rohe's process was to do it in a black box. And he didn't want his client, Edith Farnsworth, the television heiress, to know what he was doing because she would get in the way of his design. So she had asked him for a cottage, apparently. And so he delivered, you know, that glass house on stilts, which we can look at as architects and say that's a beautiful piece of art. But she was furious. She did not like that. So, is that a successful story or
0: not right right ultimately that you know that that's the problem is it, I'm not paying when I'm doing architectural work ultimately, I'm serving a client right I'm not you mm-hmm. know and sometimes uh, we can pay homage to ourselves or in in the design world uh mm-hmm. in development and pay homage to our creativity and yeah right did you if you if I didn't hit the customer's mark when we're done with a product, am I hitting am i doing am I doing them a favor or not
1: mm-hmm yeah. yeah, you're not, you're not. And customers want to be done favors. In developing our product, we did a process called customer discovery. And when I describe it, it's probably going to sound yeah, like it's, you know, obvious, done. But before you design something, you go out and you talk to the people who you're designing it for. And I guess this is sort of parallel to what my approach to architecture is. But anyway, we went out and we talked to more than 100 designers, builders, and clients, because we are interested in the collaborative ecosystem, not in any one of those parties. And one of the things we found was that there was a desire for transparency, to be able to understand what was being designed as it was being designed. Kind of, uh, I often compare uh, architecture to medicine and I'll get into that more later, but um, it's kind of like if you have a problem, Uh, an ailment and you're looking for a cure, you wanna be working as a partner with a doctor along the way and to know what's being done and why. The idea of being able to see the design at any point in its development in full scale on site eliminates any misunderstandings. And there is this communication gap between professionals like licensed architects who are well-trained in 3d visualization and their clients who inevitably are not quite so good at it and kind of owe it to our clients to be able to bridge that gap so that we can bring them along with us.
0: That's great. I love that. Bring them along with us. Now, you know, that journey can, you know, especially for the creative types, you know, uh, Maybe 20 years back, I uh, I worked with an with a design firm that was one of the best designers ever. Right, they they weren't much of an architect, but they were a great design team, and uh, they did beautiful design. I mean, beautiful. Some of the most beautiful restaurants in in the world, and they really were great. And uh, you know, they were had they had a really difficult time getting drawings out on time, and uh, just their 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 timing and scheduling. Every, by the time they got to the customer and delivered a product, it was frustrating because. Yeah, and, and just the way they worked was different. You know, their their thinking, their logic, their creativity flowed a little bit different than what what a project manager does. So yeah, we had been working with this firm for a while, and and uh, he said to me, he goes, "Hey, could you could you you know come in and." You know, maybe we could. Uh, uh, you could work with our people, and we could really get this thing into a project management format, and we could really develop it. And I, I really, I sat down and I spent months going in their office and spending time looking at the process by which you are doing. It. And like you said, the questionnaires, and we'd all right. Look, if we ask the customer enough questions, and we get a get a really understanding of what they're looking for, and then we we really sit down and we start to break down the scope of work, and we'll do room by room and wall by wall, and we start to look at. And the biggest problem I had with the design team was. That their inspirations were different. You know, for me in, on the construction side, once I see it, it's easy. It's just a matter of block tackle, block tackle, and getting where the what are the pieces, where are they at, how do I get them where I need them, and what's the sequencing of events. The problem with the design team is a little bit different. They they are oftentimes. Their inspirations flow so much more different than than, than mine does. They're yeah. they're sometimes they're waiting. They'll I, I would see them like messing around with pushing things around, and I'm like, why aren't, why isn't that room done? And they're like, well, I haven't found the light. I haven't found the light fixture I want. I haven't found the right the right detail for it. And then all of a sudden, they'd find the perfect light, and the yeah. rest of it was like a sweater. It would just unravel, right? They'll, then the rest of it was it kind of went, but it, but it took. There was like one element they needed to work around. And uh, once they got the element, it was great, but th- the way they worked was different than the way that uh, the, you know. Right.
1: And I think that there is a genius yeah. in the design process and we ought not to seek to eliminate that That's by right. mechanizing the whole thing. What we're trying to do is develop products so that people can spend more time on that creativity and ideally apply that creativity to more projects. Because the sad truth is that architects affect um, you know, just a fraction of buildings in the United States. And One of the reasons why we drive around and we say it looks so ugly is most of the buildings you're looking at were not designed by architects. That's right. And being an architect doesn't guarantee that the building will be designed better. But I think that it's more likely to be designed well if it's designed by an architect. And certainly architects have a mission to design well. And to contribute to the overall environment,
0: absolutely. fundamental belief. every architect I meet—that's the—that's why they go into it. They're looking to really create a world that's inspired. And but then they get stuck doing the mundane stuff, the the block, the, st- the stuff that really sucks, sucks <laughs> all the energy out of them. Right. And, and they're they're into production drawings, and they're working for stuff that's just it's just mind numbing behavior. Which ultimately, I believe as we start to move forward into an artificial uh, AI platforms that really takes some of this work, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, the fear was, Oh, we're going to lose architects. But the more and more we think about it, the more more we go through this, really what happens is you take the create, the creative part where they can really do the inspirational, the stuff that really invokes uh, a community that's, that's, you know, well lived and, and, and just a beautiful environment. uh, And now helps uh, really create those things because, like you said, a lot of times our architects aren't thinking because they're thinking, "I got to go draw that," and I don't have mm-hmm. the budget or time or 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 the people to go draw that complicated right. thing. And all of a sudden, they start building bo- these boxes that are just kind of, sure. you know, you know, put you to sleep.
1: I mean, it's an art and it's a business. And so, if you figure, okay, I have a hundred hours to work on this task, and you spend twenty of those hours just trying to communicate back and forth with the clients so that they understand something basic about it. Then you only have 80 hours left to do your art. But if you can convey that to them in five minutes, right. like you can with a full size model, then you have all that time left over in order to do your artistry. Yeah. It's, it's, your it's a crap.
0: I guess it's a beautiful model. It's a beautiful dream. That that vision of what you do, it really is. It is beauty. It's it's beautiful to watch. You know, uh, the first time I uh, Erica comes in and says, look, you got to check out this group. And uh, I'm like, oh, great. I I get on, I get on your website and the watch, uh, your teams walk through a space. And and by the way, it really does uh, it, it does make sense for my audience. We'll put the link down below here for everybody to log in uh, and check out uh, Dave's website. It's, it's really cool that uh, you're putting VR headsets on and you're walking through a space and you're seeing the finishes, the tables, the chairs. You're seeing the actual design of the work in the raw space so you're, you're walking through a raw space but you're seeing the finished product and and uh right. it, it, it takes away the ambiguity of of what's happening there and you can really see the relationship between the walkways the pathways the design uh you know the the, the different components of it and you can really really see as we continue to develop how this gets so much more robust
1: well that's very generous of you and just as a reminder they're ar headsets
0: oh sorry did i say vr I see that here, 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 here. Great, great catch. Right, right here. Get, 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 okay. get great catch. Because that, that, that's yeah. as we make these distinctions, right? As we make these yeah. distinctions, we notice, uh, you know, we're articulating this language even better every time. So, yeah, thanks, David. For, yeah, for- we
1: like to call them actually glasses. Nice. I mean, they're getting lighter and lighter. Like working with Magic Leap, we've already had the opportunity to use the Magic Leap Two, which is coming out in two thousand twenty-two. And they just get better and better. It's, um, I can't remember what percentage. I, I think it's 20% lighter. And you have about 50% more field of view. It, they're comfortable to wear. Nice. And they're not, they don't have the social awkwardness of wearing a VR headset where it's so subtle, but you can't see the reactions, the body language of people around you. And this is one of the things that psychologically right. puts clients off because they don't know who's looking at them or or what's going on around them. And people psychologically want to know that yeah. you know yeah, yeah. you're in a social group and you want to see what other people are doing and how they're responding to you.
0: That's great. You know, can, can you imagine a day where uh, this these glasses get to you know be like regular frames?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that's happening very quickly. Now, of course, it's easier to put it in a frame if it's only carrying a light load of data. Got it. So, if it's only like you're looking around a city and it's telling you the name of each building and who the architect was or something, that's very light. But once you are, you know, standing on the edge of a site and you're looking at a million square foot complex, then you have to wear something that has more data capacity. And these headsets are getting to have more and more data capacity. So all of that is happening, it's just the advance of technology.
0: You know, as I as I look forward to it, you know, it's great for the client side, right? It's it's amazing to to tell the story on the client side, but for me for me in the construction world it also tells something to me, to my team, to the to people that we're going to be building this with, you know, to be able to communicate to the bidders, the people that are going to show up on site every day, what we're looking to have done, you know, to be really to be able to look at a project in such a different way than we ever have before. The, you know, We've talked about lots of things that you and I in the pre-show and being able to really look at uh, a, a job site in, in dramatically different fashion, right? To, to be able to look at uh, Mr. Uh, uh, subcontractors here, we're going to work on on this today. Here's here's where the underground's going to go, and, and I'm going to need to do this, this, and this. And if we can get this section done, because tomorrow, you know, we really start to really articulate a much clearer picture. You know, uh, uh, we were, we did a little example the other day. Uh, oftentimes, our communication with our people is very uh, there's, there's a lot of ambiguity in it, right? We talked about, uh, you know, if if I if I said to you, uh, what does it mean to mobilize? Uh, we, I think the example that we had three different people with, with a different term uh, understanding of what mobilize was on our schedule. So the first day says mobilize. Well, you say one thing. Eric said one thing. I said something different. All three of us had a different approach to that language. And, and all of a sudden, at the end of day one, mobilize, everybody had a different uh, idea. And in, in that alone causes a lot of the... Uh, frustration for the for our teams who are already working on very tight margins, right? Our, our business is really plagued with very tight margins because we've all had to go through. You know, when we talk about uh, real loss of the business, where where we really look at how we're affecting the overall world, right? Yes. Our, our our business has a lot of real bad stuff in here that that's causing. Uh, and when I say the bad, you know, at first it sounded like, well, this is the way to impact, you know, to get better numbers, get better but ultimately a project costs what a project costs and sure. hide. you know, in our business, we, 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 people pretend like they're hiding the banana. I call it hide the banana. They, they pretend like they're not making a profit. I'm like, no one's showing up to do this without making some profit. Now what's fair and what's reasonable. I think that's where the partnership between the teams becomes a little clear. But when you ask me to bid against eight other people and it costs my team, you know, $5,000 to bid your project and sure. you know, seven of us didn't win the project and you know, times $5,000, there's $35,000 worth of waste in just labor, right? right. In, in hours and cost to each one of those organizations. Now somewhere the, the number eight, uh, you know, he bid it for a price that uh, was a lot cheaper than the other people because we're on this bid bid war. And then all of a sudden now they've got to do it for uh, a number that that doesn't seem reasonable, but now they've got to do something to cut costs and make it work. Mm-hmm. Now, ultimately what ends up happening in impacts or, uh, delays or it, there's a real impact and cost to the overall development of a project, and and I really do believe that as we look at this way of operating, it's kind of passe that building partnerships with teams of people. You know, the best relationships we have with clients. You know, we've done hundreds of projects for them, and the relationship we have is one of trust. We don't go bite the mouth, the hand that feeds us and they feed us they feed us great work and we and, and they can trust that the price that we give them is reasonable it's fair and it's, it's even more than that cuz we want we we want to maintain that long you know when you have brands that give us 30 and and 24 and 36 months worth of work you're really really want to make sure that they're protected and and no, no no subcontractor and the work that we produce is great and the deliver we get, get is great it's different than uh, some of the brands that are out there that you know, you're out there trying to compete with, with so many people that somewhere uh, that affects the, it, it, you know, that, that's how they operate in the world. Uh, if it starts with the product, the they're, building they're, they're building, how does it end up with the customer they're, they're serving?
1: Right. Well, I mean, I think that that's where most craftspeople. And so there I can include both architects and builders. That's right. We're all craftspeople. You want to aim for the highest. So you want to be able to deliver that project for a good price, but let it have the best quality. So why waste? And there's a couple of things that you said that resonated with me. One of them was about the cost and the time, because when you get right down to it, there's a lot of products that might be cool or might be nice to have. But when the rubber meets the road, it's really the cost and the time. At the end of the year, when, you know, you're looking at your profit margin. It's how much money you earned for how much time you spent. So everybody involved in the process has that. The owner has that, the builder has that, the architect has that. And so they all have the same interest. And that's where the collaboration and open communication between them is so essential. It's so very important. And we've been delighted to see that in the application, of augmented reality, that it's been proven to have benefits in all of those areas, to save hundreds of thousands of dollars on a project because you eliminate the change orders. And you can see that just walking through the project ahead of time with the users and they go, oh, I need this shifted, I need that shifted. And you know that that has mechanical and electrical implications that don't cost anything beforehand, but would be very expensive to do during construction, as usually happens. And then with time, approvals are often a big roadblock. And so, for instance, we worked with a homeowners association where the homeowners were typically very contentious and um, very hard to drive to a consensus. And the uh, project at hand was an infrastructure, community-scale solar array, so it was really good purpose but nobody wanted to see it and the people nearby were sure that they were going to see it so the homeowner association was actually going to go out with 400 bales of hay to try to mock up the berms that were going to screen these and nobody was going to be convinced so instead they did the augmented reality model they demonstrated it on site and they got immediate approval there was just no discussion after that it's just like okay this is what it is there's no bullshit here
0: nice no you, you, you being able to see that being able to take the take the blind side out the the part that's not clear and being able to put that out there now i you can also see how as we you know are able to see the design of it Right. And as we start to get really more and more into the the construction part of it and we start to work and communicate with not just the owners, the architectural team back and forth with with the ownership, the architectural team now with the builders. Right. As we do, you know, t- today as we hand off a project from architecture over to, to the to the construction team, we do p- these page turners, right? And they're great in that, yeah. you know, we, we kind of flip through and we make sure that everybody understands the notes and the parts right. and pieces of it. And when we do it really, really well, we, we catch a lot of stuff. But imagine now that we now we, now we take your uh, AR glasses and now we're lo- really looking at and walking through a job site and going, all right, just notice that we're going to have this uh, a shutoff valve here. Just want to make sure we put it here because... I want that ceiling towel to lie up when we do it to layer okay. two, I'll be able to see that ceiling towel that lies up, lines up with that and really brings a lot of, you know, the, the, the relationship to things a lot clearer, the, the, the component pieces a lot clearer and just, just makes it a lot more intuitive for the teams to see it. And uh, to really, you know, like I said, a construction, our, the teams that build them, once we see and understand it, building it, it's what we do, right? They're, they're pros at building it. It just, it's really, you know, when 9% of our work gets ripped out or re- redone, yeah. it gets defeating. It gets uh, exhausting. And, and then it, there's this uh, frustration because we've worked real hard on a project. We get to the very end of a project. Our people are exhausted and now everybody wants to make all these changes. And you're like, man, I'm just trying to get to the end of my contract. And, right. uh, you know, there's value and all kinds of other things that get stuck in there. And, and it, it, Everybody gets frustrated, the, the sub, the, the tradesmen, the, the companies that run them, uh, the, the people that hired them and and, and the owner. So uh, that frustration level is really, uh, you know, the more that we clear it up, you know, the, the more we can really start to, uh, one, make our, our business go much, much faster. You know, we're always searching to build things here. For me, getting teams in and out of a project, uh, you know, is what I noticed about construction over the last uh, over my career building these uh, building things is that there's so many we're mired in inefficiencies. And a lot of it is that uh, teams show up, the projects aren't ready. The there's all kinds of confusion between uh, the handoffs or, or starting and finishing of projects. And, and the more that we can clear that up, right where uh, a yeah. subcontractor knows exactly when to show up and then the work they're going to do, can, they can get it all done at one in, in a proper amount of time. The, the go backs, the half finished, the, all the stuff that really affects their profitability uh, yeah. and the timing of the project, right? If, if, most of our projects, if you look at them, you know, from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., you know, there's asses and elbows. They're, they're rocking, right? There's, there's all kinds of great stuff happening out there. Yeah. But then you go from 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. to, to 6 a.m. It's a ghost town. Mm. And, and we're trying to jam more people on a job site, which makes it more unsafe and with the tools that you've created, now we can start to see a job saying, go, oh, great, you don't need to be here. You don't need to be here with everybody else. You, you and your team could be here and I just, I need this section done. And they can mm-hmm. articulate that on a, on a, on a, a you know, an augmented reality uh, frame. And go, look, mm-hmm. if you guys can get this soffit up here tomorrow yeah. I gotta make sure that sprinkler line gets up in there and, and that'll be the sequencing of, of events.
1: Yeah, there's so many things I you know, that I feel like would be helpful to clarify. One of them is, am I correct that the audience is largely in construction rather than design?
0: Mo- you have a combination of both. We have a combination okay. of both.
1: So um, our vision for construction in the future is that there will be much less measurement done in the field and everything will actually be placed as it's seen directly in front of the tradesman in three dimensions. So you're not dimensioning, okay, where's this thermostat going to go or something, or where are we going to put this hanger in for the HVAC duct? It's there. You're not measuring anything. You're just putting it where you see it.
0: Nice.
1: And um, that's a huge revolution. Huge. Another thing that I wanted to clarify is a lot of people feel like um, what we hear often is that augmented reality is a thing of the future. But it's really here today, and anybody doing it today gets a huge competitive advantage. And it doesn't cost very much. People often assume, okay, this costs a lot. But um, our subscriptions, because we do software, we don't make the glasses. Our subscriptions are only $99 a month for unlimited use per seat. So that goes a long ways when you're saving hundreds of thousands of dollars in a single day working with a client and it delivers a lot of value to you. But because it's something new, people don't understand that yet. And so it's important for us to spread the word.
0: The biggest problem with with great new technology is my fear of, of adaption. Right. The, the I, people go like, Oh my, oh my God, it's going to be a hundred million. Right? By the way, and how many times in our past have I done something that didn't work and you know, yeah. in, in our business, that's one of the reasons why everything's so kind of boring is that, you know, we kind of build the same thing over and over again because we know it works. And then, you know, and we're all wondering, Oh, this is boring, right? And we, we don't push ourselves to go because we don't want to challenge it. But when we start to look at $99, Ninety nine dollars per yeah. per user to, to do this, yeah. and what I really love was the one click, uh, the right. one click, you know, from BIM over, right? That, that, that one,
1: invent-
0: Yeah, sorry. I, I think that's a, a genius, right? Because uh, you know, yeah. the past converting BIM over to a three D model was not a one click. It was, you know, you had to, you know, people were outsourcing some of that stuff to, to India, and they were they were, you know, because it was so labor intensive, they were they were going out of the country to find cheap labor to make those conversions.
1: Having right, software, okay. So how did this work? Okay, so the way that it works is you have some kind of a 3D model to begin with. It can be SketchUp, it can be Revit, it can be some other kind of BIM file. And you simply import that file into our Geopogo platform on the desktop and it converts it into a Unity uh, gaming engine model. You know, There's Unity and then there's Unreal. And Unity is easier to use and becoming more and more photorealistic. So within that desktop platform, then you can augment your design. You can add finishes, you can add furniture, you can add lighting, you can dress it up. We call it staging. You can stage it like you would stage it, you know, a house for sale or something. Um, but of course, you're staging it the way that you intend it to be, even if you're not gonna specify the furniture or whatever. But anyway, you're, you're being able to present it in a way that's very compelling and very easy because Unity allows you to drag and drop, and we've automated that. So then that's the second step, staging. And the third stage is viewing. And for viewing, you just upload that file to the cloud, and then you can view it on your glasses, or you can view it on your iPhone or your iPad. So that's the simple progression, the, the one-click conversion, the staging, and then the viewing. And Some people confuse this with a presentation product like Lumion or Enscape. This is not a presentation product. This is an experiential product. And I loved it earlier when you talked about every day, because that's how we intend it to be used. We intend it to be used as a communication tool, the same way you do written communication with Word or you do complex schedule communication with a uh, a spreadsheet to use it every day means in picture you're having a meeting once a week with your client and you're presenting the design and you want to let them know, say what an exam room is going to look like in a hospital. You, they can experience it. You can have that exam room there in the conference room. You don't have to be on site. You're just communicating everything in 3d all the time and you're eliminating that communication gap.
0: One of the parts that we're looking for, as you guys continue to develop, is yeah. the, the, the the back side of that. So now we communicate with the team the look of it. Now, as it's getting built, as we're going through the build out yeah. of it, and each component gets done, you know, starting from the underground, going through the you know pourback and the all all the stuff that we're doing uh, throughout the stages, being able to identify the you know kind of creating as built. So you know we're we have a real virtual as built when we're done, and mm-hmm. we're also noticing the yeah. exact uh, items that are completed so that we know percentage complete on each one. And you know, right. as, as we're looking, you know, for, uh, that scheduling piece. So as, as as we're looking forward, you know, being able to look at not just the work that we're doing as we're doing it and, and make sure we're identifying, all right, look, today we did all the plumbing on the South wall. Great. And we've got all the, you know, in-wall rough-ins done and we've passed inspection. These items are done. Uh, when they go for a pay application, I can I can I, I justify this exact, you know, a much truer, you know, because right now the way it happens is a, a plumber sends it over. Our project manager kind of goes on and goes, well, looks about what they did. And uh, and then we kind of predict uh, where will it be when the pay, when the check comes out. And we, we you know, that's our, our commitment to it. And, you know, as we have products like this that get smarter and smarter and look at actual items that are done, I can notify it on the right live on, on the drawing or on my not drawing on my image live on there. And I'm creating the actual model of what's completed. Uh, you know, it, it just gets so much smarter and uh, sure. our communication and all the process uh, for that becomes so much so much better. So uh, I, I, I get giddy inside as uh, I get to talk to you developers that are putting these products together. Uh, you know, I, for me, this is my joy. I, I love, I, you know, dancing around the planet and, and interviewing you guys and watching. You know, I feel like each one of the teams I meet with has these silos of work that they're doing that, are, that just blow me away. When I first saw your it blew me away to watch the work that you're doing and uh, as that uh, starts to you know uh, get more and more intelligent and each silo starts to join together you know you can see the development world you know the process getting a lot easier and smaller. Yeah, for us. You. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Well, I'm excited to see that about other products also. Yeah. And um it does take a lot of work on the back end to make it very simple for the user on the front end. And unless you make it simple for the user on the front end it's not going to be used. It's just going to sit on the shelf. So that's that's not our case. Our case is that it's so easy to use that you are going to use it
0: every day. I think that uh, Apple was the master of that. You know, uh, before yeah. that, yeah, I don't know.
1: That's always yeah. That's a model
0: that's for sure. A, it just you know, w- Windows. I I remember Windows Phone. I c- I could change the font, the thing, the thing, and mm-hmm. half once a month somewhere I'd mess something up. Right. <laughs> I I had too many options. I, there was too many things. But then the Apple phone right. came by and it just works perfectly. It's clean. It's right. the ten things that it does. It does it. Perfectly, and uh, it's consistent. And I realized ha, I didn't need all that other stuff. And I could I could hit backspace to go backwards. Uh, you know, I had a couple of limitations that, that that changed my behavior, but they were all worth it because the product, the end product of it, uh, was so so much more dynamic. Dave I um, I honor you and the team that you in the development of the stuff that you're doing. Uh, as people are getting more excited about your work and, and I look I hopefully they listen to this today and they go right now to, to your website and, uh, and and pull it up and look at your product and they want to get a hold of you and, and uh, you know get your, get your software. Uh, what's the best way to do that?
1: Um, well, you can download the desktop for free um, to see how the staging tool works. And you can try the AR for free also on our app, on the App Store. We have some models that are already placed there on the app. So if you want to see, like, what would a little house look like in this field, you can just download and put the little house in the field. And then you can walk through it. In order to subscribe, there's easy, you know, you just click a button. Try and make that simple. But I, I also want to clarify what the relationship with Magic Leap is. Cause it's a commercialization partnership that um, really um, has the goal of getting this technology into people's hands as simply as possible. So magically it came to us and they said, Hey, why don't we offer our hardware, the headsets in a package together with your software and offer the whole thing on a subscription basis. So instead of having to go out and buy a headset, you can just rent the headset, and you rent the software, just like you have any other subscription. And then, when a new version of the hardware comes out, then you just get the new version for your subscription. So you don't have to worry about owning the equipment.
0: You know, you when you said that, what, what rang in my soul is that today I realize that partnering with great brands mm-hmm. to support a better experience for our customers. You know, yeah. I you know since two thousand eighteen something happened, something changed in the way that I, I would look at our business or, or the leadership team here would look at our business and that, that partnering, what uh, you were just talking about you partnering with, with magically to produce a product that, you know, can get to market better, can have, have more, uh, you know, you don't have to make the, the infrastructure or the cost. And there's really a benefit to the customer by doing that. And ultimately, you know, who wins out, both parties went out and the customer wins out dramatically. And, uh, we, we noticed that, uh, you know, some of the brands we were working with, you know, it used to be us or our competitor,
1: you yeah. know, it was
0: like either I got it or they got it. And there was kind of this like battle that happened all of a sudden in 2018, we started partnering with some of our competitors to do work. And in some spots they'd be the project management company and we'd be the general contractor. And sometimes uh, we'd, we'd be the general contractor and you know, vice versa, we'd have this uh, different roles that we'd play for each other, but in service of each other and the different markets that we worked in and all of a sudden. Everybody won, right? Well, more. Yeah. 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 There was there was a it took a little bit of learning how to do it and and you know, where there were some rough edges, we got to clean some of that, but we really did uh benefit from that. As you guys have put those deals together and you've grown as a company, uh, what do you see your biggest benefit of that is?
1: The biggest teamwork benefit? Yeah. That's really interesting. I would say our biggest teamwork benefit is the teamwork with our customers. And the teamwork with the customers ensures that the outcome of the project. Um, exceeds the customer's expectations, and that um, each project becomes better than the one before. Well, I'm excited.
0: It's it's a lot. Uh, and I know our audience is going to go right now. Guys, guys, go go right now and support Dave and go check out his uh, check out his uh, uh, website. And uh, go check out his product and uh, give some, give me some feedback down below as to what you think about it. Uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm I really am. I think it's, I think it's one of the coolest things that we got going on. If you're an electrician or a plumber or an architect, or it fits all of us, right? How how can we communicate with our customers in a different way and uh, really deliver on better products? And ultimately, look, if, if we're in this business and we're acting like we did yesterday, we're not going to be around for much longer, right? Uh, for those that are in this business that are stagnant. Uh, you're yeah. falling out. You're the dinosaur. Stop being a dinosaur and and get out of your cave and, and go go try on some new products. Right today, go out there and and try on a new product and push your team and uh, you know the group to go try on new stuff today. So uh, I'm challenging you to go out there and try on a new product like augmented reality with uh, David's product or uh, you know go go check it out. So uh, Dave, I'm I'm so happy to have you on. As you get new releases, please uh, bring your team back here and show off your new toys. Uh, I'd love, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to play with more of your toys and uh, uh, you know, it just brings me lots of joy to do this and I'm I'm grateful.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful that you uh, invited me to talk with you and I've enjoyed talking with you today and also before today at the free show. Nice. So I hope we have many more conversations in the future. You got it. Thanks.
0: Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Monotegi. always looking for people to bring insight into the industry, finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share with your friends.